Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Her Kind of Healthy podcast series from Sanford Health. I'm Vanessa Gomez with Sanford Health News. Our conversation today is with Dr. Brooke Jensen, specializing in family medicine at Sanford Health. We'll learn of the importance of the HPV vaccine and its relation to cervical cancer. Welcome, Dr. Jensen, and thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So first, just give us a little bit of your background. How long have you been here at the 32nd and Ellis Clinic location? And tell us more about what you specialize in. So I am going on my second year here at Sanford um, after getting out of residency. And I primarily do broad-spectrum family practice along with OB cares with that as well. Our main focus today is on the HPV vaccine. And when you think HPV vaccine, the conversation tends to go more towards women, young girls. What is the HPV vaccine? So the HPV vaccine is a vaccine against high-risk types of the human papilloma virus that is a common cause for cervical cancer and other cancers for men and women alike. So when should people be getting this vaccine? And I mentioned this conversation really surrounds women and girls, but you mentioned young men as well. So we encourage HPV vaccination between the ages of 9 and 12 to start, as evidence shows that starting at a younger age improves the immune response and better protection against different forms of cancer. So we like men and women to both get their HPV vaccine starting at the age of nine if we can, but we also do that clear up to the age of 25. So even if you missed out at that younger age, you can still get it later on for protection. Why do we want people to get it when they're younger? So when they're younger, they actually have a better immune response and produce greater antibodies. There was a study out in the UK recently that was published that showed um, cervical cancer rates in those who received the HPV vaccine between the ages of 12 and 13 experienced greatest reduction in cervical cancer at around 87%. Um, There were still high percentages in those other age groups, but they gradually decreased the older ages that they got the HPV vaccine vaccine at. So bottom line is just get it when you can. Absolutely. And it'll help. When parents come in with their kids to the clinic and this conversation gets brought up, what are some of the concerns, the common concerns or common misconceptions that parents have? A lot of times parents are concerned that, well, is this part of the school requirements. And if it's not a requirement, why do I need to get it? So it's really educating and showing this benefit, although yes, it does not prevent a spread of other viruses or things that are commonly spread just through the air that often we are concerned about in school. This will prevent um, cervical cancers, anal cancers, penile cancers, and some head and neck cancers down the road for these young men and women and to help protect them. What are some of the side effects that kids experience when they get the vaccine? Common side effects that have been reported are very similar to the other vaccines in adolescents. Um, The most common reported have been syncope, followed by injection site redness, pain, and swelling. How can we encourage more parents to get this vaccine for their kids, talk to their kids about, you know, this is why you're getting it? Yeah. So a lot of it is just education, encouraging them to come to the table and ask these questions. Because often um, there's been stigma around this vaccine in the past um, because 
people know HPV can be spread through sexual contact. And so there was always concern that this is just going to encourage my kid to have sex. And that's really not the case. The studies show that there has not been any increase in risky sexual behavior in children that have had HPV vaccine than those that haven't. So just educating them on this and that this is long-term protection. This is not just for right now at their adolescent age. This is protection throughout their lifetime. What can you tell us about the safety and efficacy, which the efficacy we talked a little bit about in the beginning? Um, Some of the efficacy that we have found, it shows that the estimated efficacy of the nine-valent HPV vaccine is combined against the incidence of cervical, vaginal, and vulvar cancers is around 96%, so has really good benefit. Data from the vaccine safety data link show that more than 600,000 doses of the four-valent HPV administered to females when this was studied showed no statistically significant increased risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome, stroke, venous thromboembolism, appendicitis, seizures, or allergic reactions, or anaphylaxis. So that really shows good data um, for this vaccine. And in that study, did you mention just girls were studied in it? Of this report that they um, looked at this 600,000 doses, it was just primarily reported on the females. So what can we tell parents about the safety for boys mm-hmm. then? The other current studies that are coming out, they have not found any statistically difference between males and females that are currently being produced. So how can parents schedule these vaccines for their kids? To schedule the vaccine, you just call your primary care clinic or provider and you can schedule a nurse visit to set up for the vaccines. Or if you have further questions and would like to discuss further with your doctor, just schedule an appointment and they'd be happy to discuss that with you. So can we talk a little bit about what are some of the limitations that you wouldn't be able to get the HPV vaccine? And I guess one more time, what's the oldest age that you're able to get the vaccine? Um, We routinely do it through up to the age of 26 currently, Um, but we definitely encourage to get that at that youngest age to get the maximum benefit of the vaccines. And actually, if you do it at a younger age, between the ages of 9 and 14, you only have to get two doses instead of three compared to if you were at an older age. So for older women, what are some of the limitations that they wouldn't be able to get the vaccine at a certain time? If they were currently pregnant, um, we do not give the HPV vaccine. It's probably safe, but we just do not have big enough studies on that at this time. If you have a severe allergic reaction to components of the vaccine, you should also not get it as well. You are allowed to get it during lactation um, as it is not a live virus vaccine. Are there any ingredients that someone would be allergic to. If someone would have a severe latex allergy, we actually do not recommend getting um, the vaccine if it's from a pre-filled syringe. So you'd actually have to have the nurse draw it up from a separate and prepare that vaccine. I think one of the things that we really need to highlight with the HPV vaccine is that these studies are showing that it prevents cervical cancer and other cancers later on in life. So it's not an immediate effect Mm -hmm. Whereas the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine, we see those immediate effects, but this is protecting kids for the future and it prevents cancer, which is amazing. Do you find that parents are surprised? Are they excited for their kids to get it at that point? What are some of the reactions? A lot of them, I would say it's a mixed um, response. Some are very excited, and especially when you can kind of show some of those numbers and the high percentage um, that 
the HPV vaccine can really truly have a great chance of decreasing cancers. Um, it's currently 96% of uh, the total FC of the combined incidence of cervical, vaginal, and vulvar cancers of decreasing that. So that's a huge benefit. So when you're explaining that, most parents are very excited. Usually sometimes the limitation is they just don't want to get so many vaccines at once. So a lot of times I encourage, you know, we can always come back if you don't want all these vaccines at one time. You don't even have to have a visit with me so you don't get charged another office visit. You just have a nurse visit instead and to get that. So who is at risk of cervical cancer? The majority of those who are at risk for cervical cancer are those that are exposed to the HPV um, infection. About out of the HPV 16 and 18 that are the highest risk of causing cervical cancer, they make up 71% of of cases of cervical cancer causes. HPV-related risk factors um, that increase your risk of getting HPV include early onset of sexual activity, multiple sexual partners, a high-risk partner, history of sexually transmitted infections, early age at um, first birth and increasing parity, history of some other forms of vulvar or vaginal cancers, and immunosuppression. Other risk factors that are non-HPV related can be cigarette smoking, low socioeconomic status, and genetics as well. So how do we screen for cervical cancer then? Our primary method of screening for cervical cancer is through pap smears. We start pap smears at the age of 21, and we used to do them at a younger age, but the evidence now shows that younger women should not be screened regardless of age of their first sexual intercourse or other risk factors, because currently adolescents clear most HPV infections within one to two years without any neoplastic or cancer changes. So once you start screening at 21, and if someone isn't sexually active, should mm-hmm. they still be getting a pap smear starting at 21? Yes, we encourage all, anyone, doesn't matter if sexual activity or not, to all start pap smears at the age of 21. Because again, HPV causes the majority of cervical cancers, but is not the sole cause of cervical cancers. And after you start those at 21, how often should you be getting a pap For most women from the ages of 21 to the age through 29, we do it every three years as long as your pap smears have remained normal. And then once you've hit the age of 30 to 65, we do pap smear plus HPV co-testing. And as long as those are both normal, we do it every five years. We typically discontinue pap smears at around the age of 65 or following a hysterectomy if they remove the cervix fully and you have no history of high-grade cervical changes on previous pap smears. So why is it that we only do them every three years? Because the goal of these screenings is to try and find the cancer, catch it early so that you can diagnose it and start treatment if necessary. Why would we not want to do that every year to try and catch it early? Because we know a lot of these changes take time. And so if someone would have HPV, these gradual changes over time. And we previously actually used to do pap smears every year. And it led to more likely unnecessary treatments because we were probably too aggressive on these cervical changes. Um, Because women, again, often would clear them. If you're at a younger age, you typically clear these changes faster than those um, at an older age. So as long as you've had these normal pap smears, it's very reassuring. So we started spacing them out to try to decrease your risk of unnecessary procedures. In between those every three years, are there different signs or symptoms that women should be looking for when it comes to mm-hmm. cervical cancer in particular? 
Um, typically cervical cancer, most people do not have any symptoms. So it's very rare that someone would have symptoms. If someone were, were to have symptoms, you may have irregular spotting or bleeding or bleeding after intercourse. And if this were to happen, that'd be something to see your uh, provider for and get a pelvic exam for. Are there any other preventive measures that women can take when it comes to cervical cancer besides the HPV vaccine and getting those screenings. Other things to kind of look for to try to prevent HPV infection and cervical cancer would be safe sexual practices such as using condoms, avoiding smoking, and trying to limit the number of sexual partners. And how do people's schedule their screenings for a pap smear if they need one. So typically all you'd schedule is a yearly wellness exam, or if maybe you have gotten off on your yearly wellness and just need only your pap smear, you can just schedule a clinic visit um, just solely for the pap smear as well. Well, Dr. Jensen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. To learn more about the HPV vaccine, cervical cancer, and the screening services provided, visit SanfordHealth.org. This was another episode of the Her Kind of Healthy podcast series by Sanford Health. For Sanford Health News, I'm Vanessa Gomez. Thank you for listening.